Merry Christmas and welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. It's Christmas time again, the time of year that lets us experience every possible emotion in the smallest time frame possible. There's joy, hopefully, but also busyness, stress, family dynamics, and more, all wrapped up with a pretty Christmas bow. Today we're beginning a new series that puts the focus of Christmas back where it belongs, on Jesus Christ himself. Our series is titled, He Shall Be Called, and over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the names of Jesus, the promises that come with his arrival, and what it means for our lives. So let's begin our Christmas series. Here's Pastor Nicole. As you can see, we have transformed the platform. I even get a fire. Look at this. Look at this fire. It's very exciting. Um, into a living room, and I'm preaching from my comfy chair today and uh, the rest of the series. And, and this is why uh, we did this, is because as we were talking about Christmas this year, it falls on a Sunday, and um, we talked about how really the best parts of Christmas happen in the everyday moments, don't they? Like in the, in the living room, in the places that, that you can have the conversations about what the message is. And, and the best part of Christmas isn't in the flash or the show or the decorations or all those things. Those are all great, but it's in the message. And I want to challenge us to not forget the extraordinary significance that it has on the faith that we live out, the faith we have on our boring, simple, everyday living room days, that Jesus is born and that changes everything. And so uh, as we think about Christmas, when we remember who this baby in the manger really is, Christmas cannot go on business as usual. And that's what I want to encourage you this Christmas. Don't get so caught up in in all of the, the things of Christmas that we forget that Jesus in the manger is the reason we worship the other 51 Sundays a year. Um, several years ago, uh, actually last month, I traveled to Jerusalem about um, five years ago last November, and I went to the Holy Land. And I remember when I went, I thought, oh, I'm so excited to go at Christmas time because I expected some like marvelous tributes to Jesus. Like this is his debut. This is his hometown. This is where Christmas was born. Okay, in America, we would do like parades, lights, Justin Bieber, I don't know, you'd like specialty hot dogs, right, fireworks. If we were going to celebrate uh, the hometown of somebody, we do these incredible, amazing things. And so when I got there, I was really excited to be there at Christmas time. And I'll tell you what, I saw maybe two Christmas trees the entire two weeks I was there. There was no excitement that Christmas was coming There was no general sense of the most wonderful time of the year. In fact, most of the time, it was normal looking everywhere we walked. And this is why. The majority of the population, 98% actually, uh, in the land where Christmas was born, doesn't even believe Christ is the Savior. And and this challenged me, not just obviously to get the message uh, to the people in Israel, But also, this challenged me to remember to make sure that we are celebrating the truth in what we declare. That we're giving enough attention to Christmas in the right places. That we're declaring, like we did a moment ago, Jesus, you have no rival. Like, you have no equal. You're the name above all names. And no matter what we do, all the holiday things and the hustle and bustle, if Jesus isn't the center of attention, then we at the very most are walking around just like everything is normal all over again. 
And so that, that really uh, made an effect on me when I was in the Holy Land watching that happen. And so as we go through this month, we're going to focus our study um, in the book of Isaiah. And so um, if you have your Bible, you can turn to that in Isaiah 9. I want to talk a little bit about what's happening um, in Isaiah when this is written, kind of the cultural context of this situation. Um, when the book of Isaiah was written, the northern and southern kingdoms of Judah and Israel were actually in a time of prosperity, but they were drifting from God. They had lost their focus. They had lost their attention. And they began to practice idolatry and allowed pagan worship. And the rich oppressed the poor. And the spiritual leaders of the day were more interested in pleasing men and society um, than they were God. And on top of that, Israel was fo uh, facing foreign invasion. The Assyrians were threatening to invade from the north and haul them off into exile. And so Isaiah 9 starts by turning the people's eyes from the present to the future. Do we need that sometimes? Anybody need that sometimes? You see this all around you. You see the things happening. And you really need the Lord to take you from the present to the future. And so this chapter um, that we're going to read this morning was actually written in the form of a poem or even a song. And it is a celebration of hope. But remember, they are in national despair and gloom, okay? So when Isaiah says this to them, it does not feel like he's just reporting what's happening around them. It feels like he is saying something that is maybe impossible. And this is what he writes. Isaiah 9-2 says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. And this verse in Isaiah 9, they continue and they describe, listen, it might look dark right now, but God is on the way. God is on the way. It may look like despair. It may look like things around you are not going to resolve themselves. It may look like, like you're never going to get out of this mess, but God is on the way. And he's on the way with a great liberation, uh, something that is going to defeat the enemy, not just one enemy, but all the enemies against the people. And 700 years in advance, Isaiah's writing this, Isaiah prophesies who the Son of God will be, and he foretells the birth of Jesus. And in this passage, I'm going to skip down to verse 6. This is what he writes. For to us a child is born... To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so during this Advent season, we are going to look at the names of Jesus. We're going to look at these names of Jesus given by God through Isaiah the prophet, and we're going to take this one verse and we're going to talk about it all month long, uh, the names of Jesus, our Savior, that help us see him with a new perspective and a new appreciation. And so each week, that's what we're going to do as we walk through December. So today, we're going to start with Wonderful Counselor. All right, we're going to start with Wonderful Counselor. So let's just look specifically at that. We're going to deep dive into Jesus as Wonderful Counselor um, as we start. So I want to start with just the word Wonderful um, that word means extraordinary, uh, better than anyone else can do. And when Jesus came to earth, it was obvious that no one could ever be his equal. 
that he was extraordinary. He was wonderful in fulfilling his mission. I think sometimes that word wonderful doesn't even feel strong enough to uh, call Jesus that, right? It doesn't even feel like big enough, like it has enough weight. He turned water into wine. He raised the dead to life. He, he walked on water. He cast out demons. He healed blind people and hurting people. He performed miracles. Ultimately, he died on a cross and rose again in three days, right? Offering salvation for our souls. What Jesus did and what he keeps doing is wonderful. And, and what that word really um, encapsulates is that what we should do when we think about God is it should cause us to have wonder, so he's full of wonder, causing us to have wonder. It's like just saying out loud. Have you ever had a moment where you're like, wow, like, wow. You don't even know what else to say. You're just like, wow. It's the wonder. You're full of that wonderfulness. In fact, we just do that for me right now. Just be like, wow. Wow. Thank you. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. I got to get that out of my mouth. Anne Lamott wrote a book on prayer I read recently. It's called Help Thanks Wow. Okay, and she says, these are the three essential prayers that will help you get through life. <laughs> if you can say help, God help, God thanks, God wow. <laughs> Those are the things that, that all prayers maybe fall under category. I want to read to you just a little bit out of her book. Um, she describes the response or the prayer of wow. This is what she says. Wow is often offered with a gasp, a sharp intake of breath. When we can't think of another way to capture the sight of shocking beauty or destruction, of a sudden, unbidden insight or an unexpected flash of grace. Wow means we are not dulled to wonder. We click into being fully present when we're stunned into that gasp. Wow is about having one's mind blown by the mesmerizing or the miraculous. God is wow. Wow. God, your plans blow my mind. God, you make things so beautiful. God, you keep forgiving me over and over and over again. God, I come in here every week with the same problem, and you welcome me every single time. Wow. Wow. Like, God, you're so good. I'm learning your goodness. And to have that moment of wonder and wonderful. I want to challenge you this week. Find something about God that just makes you say, wow. Wow, God, you are wonderful. You are full of wonder. All right, let's look at that second word. Um, that particular name of God is counselor. Um, so for a minute, for a minute, I want you to imagine in your mind, what do you think about when you think of counselor? Go ahead, just imagine it. Maybe it's a person or and maybe it's this. That's, a, that's what I thought of. I also love how it's five cents. I mean, that was, this was definitely in a different time, a different generation. <laughs> In 2022, the inflation would just really jack that up there. But when you think of counselor, maybe you imagine someone who sits and listens and gives you feedback about your life. And in some ways, <clears throat> this is the description of counselor when it comes to God. But there are some significant differences. Um, so I, I thought of a few things that were the same and a few things that were different. So here's one. Um, earthly counselors ask about your needs <clears throat> and your hurts. But the wonderful counselor already knows your needs even before you ask. You know what you could say right now? Wow. <laughs> right? Like, wow. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 6, 8. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. <laughs> Jesus knows our past, 
Every moment of it, he knows the secret sin of your past. He knows the hidden hurt of your past. He knows your lost dreams. He knows your past experiences. Jesus knows our present. He, he knows your present pressure. He knows your present temptation, your present trial. He knows this very minute what perhaps no other soul on earth knows about you. In fact, he, he's wonderful in his knowledge of us. And Jesus knows your future. There's nothing that can happen ahead of you that God already doesn't know. He's able to see the future and to guide us through the landmines that might be ahead. The Father knows before we even ask for things what we need. You know, prayer is not designed to inform God. He, he already knows, okay? But it's designed so we can abide and have a close relationship with God. Now, don't be confused. It's true that God knows our needs before we even ask, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't ask. In fact, the scripture talks all the time. He invites us to ask. He wants, us to, he, he wants to hear from us any time of the day about all the things. Jesus never tires of your voice. He always wants to engage with you, and he always already knows your needs before you even get there. All right, here's the second one. Earthly counselors always require an appointment. In contrast, the wonderful counselor is always available. The wonderful counselor is always available. Earthly uh, counselors require an appointment. You have to call. You have to check availability. You have to make sure your insurance covers it. Wah, wah. You know, and then you got to set a time. Then you got to keep the time. Then you got to make sure it doesn't snow on the day you're supposed to go. Right? You have all these kind of obstacles to get there. In the scripture, I love this moment. Simon Peter, he's sinking on the water. Remember, he gets out. He's sinking on the water. You know what he says? Lord, save me. That's all I need. No appointment. That's all. And you know what Jesus did? He reached down and he grabbed him and he saved him and he helped him immediately before he sunk in the water. You may have called on the Lord and thought that he wasn't listening, but I want you to know today that's not true. He told us to call on him and that he would hear us. And even if he's delayed or it appears as silence, it does not mean he is not helping you. He is working even when we don't see it. He's right there. You don't need an appointment. Your appointment is standing all day long. You get to come in and out as you please. And God is wanting to meet with you as often as we meet with him. Give God thanks for that. I thought of um, three examples of requests that we can bring to Jesus that he will always answer yes and immediately. All right? You want to know these things? Yes and immediately. He will always answer these things. The first one is salvation. Salvation means we understand the depth of our sin and how that sin keeps us far from God. And we recognize we need a Savior who will bridge the gap between God and us. When you come to the Lord and you say, God, will you, I, I'm sorry for my sin. Will you save me from my sin? God says yes, and he says it immediately. There is no wait on that one. There is no three to five business day processing, okay? That is the moment that Jesus says yes. And in fact, he says, I've been waiting. I've been watching. I've been, I've been pursuing you because I want your heart so much. You know, I think at Christmas time, uh, many people feel a kind of loneliness that they can't explain. It's this sort of like deep down feeling of, of missing home or longing for something lost um, in fact, I think if you listen to a lot of the uh, modern Christmas carols and music, it, it kind of all centers around that, right? Is that we just want to be home, we want it, want it to be magical. But all of those feelings, that isn't about things that are natural. 
That's something that we're missing. That feeling is that God is speaking to you about what you really need. And what you really need is a home in Jesus, that your heart is home with the Lord. And if you've never fully trusted Jesus Christ to redeem you, your heart might be aching because of that longing for a relationship with God. It actually won't be filled with chestnuts on an open fire, okay? What will fulfill that heart? What will fulfill that aching that you feel is a relationship, a surrender to Jesus Christ himself. I want to encourage you today. The scripture says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He does not hesitate to respond to this request. He is always available. In fact, today, if you want to make that commitment to Jesus, I want you to visit um, the prayer tables to my right and to my left. There'll be a team uh, here at the end. I, they want to pray with you. They want to help you along with your faith journey. If you literally feel like I have been longing for home and I, I can't explain it, I want you to know that is Jesus get, coming after you and wanting you to have a relationship with him. That's what that feeling is. And that he wants to meet you today. Don't delay. All right, here's the second one. Forgiveness. Um, in John 1, 9, uh, we're told that he is faithful and just to forgive all those who confess their sins to him. And when we tell him the truth, when we ask for forgiveness, there is no delay in the forgiveness. I think sometimes there's delay in us forgiving ourselves. Am I right? <laughs> there's delay in us feeling like we, we kind of feel like, well, if I feel guilty for a few more days, maybe that will somehow make up for what I did. But truly, Everything has already been done for the forgiveness that you can have. It's all done. Jesus paid for it all. He paid for your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin. He already did it. And so when you come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, he says, already done. Already done. I already knew you would do that, and I already died on a cross for you to forgive you. And so you can live in this victory and this freedom as long as you are in repentance before the Lord. Some of you here today, you may have known the Lord for many years, but it's been a while since you just came and knelt before the Lord in repentance and just said, Lord, I'm sorry for these things that I keep letting in. I'm sorry for these things I haven't been able to, to, to conquer yet and to bow down before the Lord to the King who loves you and ask for forgiveness and to come to the wonderful counselor and he will give it to you right then. That's what he promises. All right, let's do the third one. Um, Jesus always answers our request for peace. I want to read to you Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things that sticks out to me significantly here about this verse is that if Jesus is truly asking us to be anxious about nothing, about no thing, then it must be possible. Because he isn't asking us to do something we'd never be able to do. And so what he's saying is on your own, you're going to be a hot, worried mess. <laughs> but with me, if you give me the, the worries that you have, if you come to me with prayer and petition, I will give to you the peace of God. 
It must be possible with God's help, even in a world full of tragedy and pain and risk. When God asks us to be anxious about nothing, he isn't unaware of all of those things. He isn't unaware of the difficulties that we face. He isn't unaware of the the corruption and the pollution of the earth. He isn't unaware of those things, but he's saying, with me, I can give you the peace that you need. You know, anxiety often happens, I think, when we get out ahead of Jesus. It's when we try to handle more than one day at a time or sometimes even one hour at a time or one moment at a time. And for those of us that are planners, that's a really difficult spiritual principle to fully accept. Your mind spins. How will I pay for college for all three of these kids? What if, um, what if I lose a loved one unexpectedly? What if that test comes back bad? What if I can't get through this situation, right? Anyone like, is this just my brain or is there anyone out there? Okay, so right, you just go, right? You're thinking of all the things. What, what if, what if, what if, what if? And the scripture illustrates to us in many different ways that God will give us enough grace, enough strength to get through our days. He absolutely will, but I will tell you how. One day at a time. That's what he says. You can't mail order a year's worth of trust and courage. That, that, isn't, that isn't available from heaven's UPS. What, what he's saying is that the surrendered Christian life is a daily decision to trust God. And so the only way to live the life God intends for us is to stay very close to the provider of all that we need. It's this decision to say, God, Give me all the peace I need for today, and then I will come back again tomorrow. Give me all the peace and the strength and the resources that I need for today. And sometimes our minds spin, okay, yeah, 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 but how will I face tomorrow? And you know what the scripture says? Don't worry about tomorrow. (laughs) For tomorrow will worry about itself. There will be enough for tomorrow. So how do we fulfill the scripture? Don't be anxious about anything. If it's possible, how do we do it? The answer is this, one day at a time. One day, one day, one day, one moment, sometimes one hour at a time. So if that's what you need today, ask Jesus for peace. Ask him for calm. I know he will hear you. He will answer your request for today. And then you're going to have to go back again tomorrow. And then he's going to answer that. And every single time, God will give that to you. All right, here's the last one. Earthly counselors don't always know what you're going through, though they try, but the wonderful counselor can always fully empathize with your pain. Hebrews 4, let me, let me tell you where I get this one. Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is not just a king who rules over us. He's walked through everything we have walked through. There's nothing you experience that he has also not experienced. And because of that, he can guide you with wonderful expert advice. And because we know Jesus understands us completely, we can be free to be completely honest with him. Now, you might say, Pastor, I know, but like in the scripture, I don't see where, um, you know, like he had debt or he had this or he had that or he was in worry or he did. You're right. But this is what the scripture promises, that Jesus knows all of those things because he's supernatural. Okay, he has walked through all of that. He can experience it even if he didn't in his heavenly, in his earthly body of 33 years. He knows how that feels. 
And he can meet you in those moments, and he can say, I've empathized in every way, and I've promised you that my power is so great that there is no problem you have that he can't deal with. (laughs) That there is no situation his love for you is not so great that he will never walk away from you. He says, look, give me all the problems. Bring me all the situations, because none of them scare me. And I have experienced everything. I love this moment. Um, where Jesus was once talking with a woman in John 4 um, who had a string of broken marriages, was in the midst of an adulterous relationship at the time. The woman was deeply unhappy, and she kept trying to hide all that from Jesus because uh, surely she thought, well, if he finds out about this, he'll walk away from me or he'll shun me or judge me or all those things. And Jesus finally looks at her, and this is my paraphrase, but he says, look, I know you've had five husbands and are currently living in adultery now. I knew that when I started this conversation and I still came to you. I still came after you. Like, hallelujah, right? He's showing us he does that to us. We take one step in God's direction and he runs all the way to us. That's how God works. So here's what we're going to do as we close today. Would you stand? The worship team is going to come back. And, you know, maybe the most important thing to notice when we look at this wonderful counselor's name um, in Isaiah Isaiah, is not so much about the answers or the solutions that God can bring. Uh, We know if you've lived for very long, he he doesn't always immediately take away your problems. He doesn't always uh, fix things instantly. But he reveals to us his wonderful promise that he is weaving all things together for good in our lives in a wonderful way. And, and this wonderful presence, this, this thing that is full of wonder, will never leave us, even in the worst days of suffering. And that wonderful presence is more valuable, truly, than any solution, than any fix. Yes, God can help us with our problems. He's a perfect counselor, but he gives us something far greater than a solution. He gives us himself. And that's what God did when he sent his son into a manger on Christmas. He said, here, I could, I could send you all the solutions that you need, all the, all the resources that you need, but you know what you really need is, is my son. You need a relationship with me. You need that, that presence of God. And that's who Jesus is. And that's what he represents as the wonderful counselor. So we're going to sing this song again today. We're, we're going to just um, reprise it. What a wonderful name. And I just want to invite you today um, to come worship at the altar if you feel so led. Maybe you'd want to say, Lord, I need to ask for salvation. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to ask for peace. Maybe you just want to give honor to the honor that's due, that the wonderful counselor, you want to say, Lord, wow, like, wow. God, thanks for showing up today in this Christmas season. I particularly want to challenge us not to let Christmas be business as usual this year. And maybe what that will take for you is just an obedient step of worship here in the next few minutes. And so let's just pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. Lord, I thank you that we have so much to say wow about when we think about who you are. So God, meet us here in this moment. We trust you. We honor you. We surrender to you. And it's in your name we pray.
some thanks this morning. God, thank you. Wow. Wow, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.